This is Laundry with Lila with your host, Laura, the podcast that's delivering you your weekly dose of girl chat. Tonight on Laundry with Lila, we have Sophie Louise. She takes us through her experience on what it's like to be a sex worker in New Zealand. Mmm, juicy topic. She talks about how she got into this line of work and where it's taken her so far. We talk about the types of sex work she has dabbled in, what areas she's enjoyed, and what areas she's not really into. Sophie is also a model, a sexual empowerment coach. Yes, ladies, head over to her Instagram for some good tips. She also has her very own podcast. So it was a massive privilege to have her on Laundry with Lala. Sophie and I have been friends for a few years now, and she is extremely well-spoken and a basket of knowledge when it comes to this topic. So let's get stuck into my chat with Sophie Louise. Sophie Louise is in the house, everybody. Sophie, (laughs) thank you so much for taking the time today to sit down with me and have a chat about all things sex work. I've been so freaking excited um, and looking forward to this conversation since we set it up a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, thanks. I'm so grateful Um, to have a chat with you. That is absolutely my pleasure. It's a topic I could speak about for so long and I just think it's really important to talk about it as well. I know. In sex work, the great thing is, is there's so many layers. So there's probably so many avenues we can go down, but um, we'll try and keep it, um, <laughs> try and keep it on track, I guess. <laughs> um, so I think let's just get straight into it. I mean, um, I've noticed far too many people and the perception on sex work is that something tragic happened in your past that led you to this like poor me kind of scenario. So how mm-hmm. did your journey of sex work begin and when did it start? I've definitely heard a lot of those narratives and I think so often it's this belief that you need to be suffering from an addiction to be a sex worker or be a single mum who's lost their job or something like that Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah my journey is really different as is you know the journeys of a lot of people that I know that Mm -hmm. stereotype is as with so many stereotypes just like completely inaccurate Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, I actually really wanted to be involved in sex work from like the age of 16. Mm -hmm. Um, So in New Zealand, it's legal to be a sex worker at 18. And so a couple of years before that, I just, something about the industry just really appealed to me. So I would be looking on strip club websites and like looking at the pictures of their premises and like going on their Instagram pages and looking at the girls and their beautiful lingerie. Mm -hmm. And I just like could not wait to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there were like two main appeals to that for me. Um, One of which was that like my family is relatively close-minded about sex um which is not that uncommon and and in New Zealand you know we're not super open about sex we're better than a lot of countries but still not great definitely not there where we need to be I absolutely agree we have a lot of work to do in that area but yeah it was the sexual openness of the industry that really appealed to me And as someone who had been shamed for my sexuality and put down for being a sexual being to like completely flip that on its head in the industry and see people being worshipped for their sexuality and making money for their sexuality, that just 
was so appealing to me in this whole other world that I just had to experience. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the other part of that is, I'll be completely honest, I was also a teenager with relatively severe depression. Um, and so I did, I just knew that it was going to be exciting because it was so different, because it was so new. So a little bit of it was that excitement, um, that ability to be seen and have eyes on me and just be enjoying myself. That also was a real appeal. Yeah, so sure. I started off just engaging with pole dancing in a pole dance studio, like before I was 18, before I could get involved in the industry, I was like, okay, what can I do to kind of get a little sneak peek of it and almost get myself a little bit ready? So Mm -hmm. I did some pole dancing and then, yeah, my first time that I went into town, um, I went into a strip club and did my first night and never looked back amazing and I was just thinking about what as you're speaking there a lot of people say that sex sex work's actually quite empowering and it sounds from the way that you speak you feel so empowered by it am I right yeah I really do it's this beautiful place where yeah as I said we are worshipped for this part of our experience of life that is so often swept under the rug and ignored and shamed and viewed as dirty So it was so empowering to flip that on its head and to also, um, you know, to to have my appearance be valued. But I think, you know, that's a really common stereotype in the industry as well, is that people are just there to look at you, to look at your body, to admire your body. But there were also so many incredible discussions where my intelligence um, was being seen and enjoyed and complimented. And so it was just empowering in this whole range of ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's so good. Um, and as you said, there there is such a broad range of sex work out there and you began mm-hmm. obviously um, stripping. What current, what sex work are you currently doing or what sex work have you done in the past? Um, yeah, so I've done a few different types of sex work and they all have different like pros and different cons Mm -hmm. Um, so after stripping I moved into some sugaring so that's the Mm -hmm. kind of sugar baby sugar daddy relationship um which was interesting Um, yeah (laughs) that's a part of sex work that I would not go back to because Mm. there's just not very clear boundaries in place um and you know as an individual you can absolutely put those boundaries down but so often you're meeting clients who just want everything from you they want to be and don't want to pay for it (laughs) exactly they want to be texting you all throughout the day they want to go on dinner dates like three times a week have you stay over at their house a couple nights a week like so many of them wanted you to live with them um and it's like I'm you know it's I'm it's fine to sort of have that pretense there but it was very real for these clients and that they wanted to feel like you were dating them and, and that's quite hard because how do you how do you differentiate between dating and work you know like if it's in that kind of situation where they want to be dating you you know absolutely because if they feel like they're dating you maybe they want to like meet your friends or hear about your family see where you live know your real name and all of these things where it's yeah it's just hard to have that clear line in place yeah yeah um, I'm sure so, After engaging in sugaring, I did a bit of online work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that started with the premium Snapchats, which mm-hmm. were people like paying money to be part of a Snapchat account where you could post explicit content on there. And then also was part of the OnlyFans boom of COVID times, mm-hmm. um, which was really beneficial to have that form of work present when we weren't able to be doing in-person work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, just knowing that all you need to do is have even just your phone camera and you can be earning money was really important in a time where in-person work wasn't available. Yeah. Um, and then I've also engaged in sensual massage, which um, to put it kind of bluntly is like a full body massage with a happy ending at the end. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's such a broad range. Hey, like you've, you know, done it all. How have you found, obviously, in New Zealand at the moment, like we've currently got um, a lockdown, which hopefully we're coming out in a couple, well, we are coming out in a couple of days. Did you, you know, tap back into that cam work side of things during this time or did you kind of just, you know, enjoy your time off? Yeah, I suppose a, a bit of a combination of things. I'm just bringing my online work to a close now, mm-hmm. um, which as I said, has served me really well. But if, if I'm being completely honest, I just got really sick of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as someone who's done some modeling with like professional photographers, it was really hard for me to leave my perfectionist self behind and just be happy with the more sort of amateur things that I was creating. So that, yeah, became a little bit of a struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, But as thick workers, if, you know, in New Zealand, at least, if you were paying taxes on your income, we were able to get the COVID wage subsidy. So I've been oh, able to get amazing. that, not needed yeah. to rely too much on sex work and also have other forms of work that I'm doing that we'll get into um, in a little bit of time. And it's been actually really beautiful to have this break so that I can put my energy into other things. Yeah, and as you touched on it just then, we are so fortunate in New Zealand for you know, I, I don't know many other countries, especially in like America, et cetera, that would be, um, you know, pe- people that aren't doing the sex work, having the options of having that COVID subsidy. So we're so, so fortunate that sex work is recognised as another, that's just any other job, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Which is because we have a model where sex work has been decriminalised in New Zealand and if it was still illegal yeah, you wouldn't be able to get financial assistance like we have during lockdowns. Yeah, yeah, we're so lucky. Um, So you touched on with sex work, why you got into it, you know, that um, it just really appealed to you. Did a regular job ever appeal to you? You know, growing up at high school, did you ever think, love to be a receptionist or anything? (laughs) Um, Yeah, if I'm being honest with myself, not really. I always Mm -hmm. felt like a, yeah, quote unquote, regular job where I'd have to work nine to five was something that I would have to do. And perhaps Mm -hmm. it was the fact that I felt like I would have to do it. And I was forced into that life trajectory that I sort of rebelled against that a little bit. And I'm someone who really values my autonomy. I really value the having the potential to, Um, go in the direction that I want to go and enjoy things that I do and and, you know have hobbies outside of work and be able to see friends and go on trips so have that flexibility of if I want to go and get my hair done I can 
I don't have to go to my office. I, if I want to, you know, have a coffee with somebody, I don't need to tell anybody. Absolutely. And, you know, even like in terms of studying, you know, I've just finished getting my degree. And so sex work was amazing to be able to work around studying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And having that flexibility again. Mm-hmm. And so how have you found, you know, you've been doing this for, for a few years now, how have you found sex work impact impacting your relationships, you know, your family relationships, your friendships? What about even sexual relationships that you've had in the past? Yeah, and this is a really interesting question. In terms of friendships, it hasn't really impacted them at all. Mm-hmm. I think largely because uh, in the friends that I make, I really value people who are open-minded And so many of my friends I've actually met through the sex work industry. So, of course, they're not going to be judgmental about that. Yeah, for sure. With my family, it's definitely been a challenge. Do Um, they know? They do know, yes. Mm -hmm. And it's something that they try really hard not to talk about. Um, It's something that causes them stress and angst and Mm -hmm. You know, and, and in some ways I think that that's almost natural. I think there'd be very few parents who dream of having their child being a sex worker. <laughs> yes. But at the same time, you know, it's like this is something that I've found a lot of benefits from. And, and what I was going to say before is one of the benefits of it has been when my mental health hasn't been great, I've been able to still work, still make an income where I didn't need to go in every single day because I wouldn't have been able to maintain a job where I had to be there every day because mm-hmm. my mental health wasn't in a good place. Mm-hmm. So it's there's been a lot of conversations of trying to help them to see that side of it, um, but just still knowing that it's definitely not something that they are happy about. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways I've found it easier to receive that negative response from my parents um, because there's that idea that it's sort of a generational difference. Um, Mm -hmm. I think sex work is a lot bigger now. It's much more present in the media and it absolutely wasn't that way when my parents were my age. Um, But even when I first came out to my parents as a sex worker, they said to me, don't tell your sister Mm -hmm. who is three years older than me. Wow. And when I eventually did tell her, she perhaps, yeah, even found it more challenging than my parents did. Really? Yeah, which was really interesting because, of course, yeah, there isn't that generational difference there. Mm. Um, Knowing that I suppose anyone can have that judgment present and, Mm. you know, this is my birth family. This isn't chosen family. You don't get to pick and choose like I can with my friends, pick and choose open-minded people. I sort of need to work with the attitudes that they have so it's so interesting about your sister like what was Mm. because like you've said that generation for sure like my you know my gen like my parents generation as well exactly the same they wouldn't Mm. no way would they want sex work you know and but Mm. your sister what was her like what, what was her reasoning what was her pullback or pushback I guess um in that situation yeah so honestly we haven't talked about it between us all that much when I first Mm -hmm. talked to her she just did not say a word Mm. um and just was completely silent on it 
but I know that she's had some conversations with my mum since then and just said like that for her it would be really embarrassing for her friend to go into the strip club and see me there. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah, which is really sad. And it's also like, well, if your friends are going to the strip club, you know, you, you clearly don't have any judgment towards them for doing that. So why would you have judgment for someone that works there? Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm. Can't and really then, pick and choose. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's on, on both sides of it, the receiving and the giving end of it. Yeah. And what about your sexual relationships in the past or in present, if you, if you have a partner at the moment? Yeah, so I don't have a partner at the moment, but I, I will say that being a sex worker has made dating a bit more complicated just because of the ideas about it. Um, I went on a date just a couple of nights ago that was really beautiful up until the point where he just assumed that he could touch me in any way that he wanted because, as he said, I was really open-minded. Oh, my so, God. Right? It's this, this really common <sighs> belief that if you have sex for work or do anything sexual for work, that you will want to have sex with every single person on this earth, which, oh, yeah. you know, a, a lot of the time is actually the complete opposite. I think often sex workers are more conservative because we know that we can get paid for doing this. You know, why? why they do don't want to, why would you give it for free? Exactly. Right? <laughs> immature boy who doesn't know what he's doing when you can get paid for that oh so, I wonder if he would he do that on any other normal date like just go you know what I'm gonna touch your bum there because I find you attractive and you're open-minded like that's ridiculous it is absolutely ridiculous and unfortunately that's not the first time that I've come up against that oh my um, God. but you know that's not a blanket rule There Mm -hmm. are a lot of people who are really supportive of it and, you know, are happy to date you while you're doing this work. I even met my ex-partner through sex work and we had a really beautiful relationship where he started as a client and we just moved forward from there. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. That's right. And that's nice. And so, and besides, besides those, that, you know, that, that kind of those experiences, anything else really, or... That's the main part of it. Yeah, as, as I said, it just kind of um, complicates things a little bit in that you need to consider how you're going to approach it. Yeah, you know, are you sure. going to tell people, are you going to put it in your Tinder bio? Are you going to tell them on the first date? Are you going to wait until you're getting more serious? Mm-hmm. When do you want um, to approach that conversation um, in order to... Um, assist there being that acceptance there and I think that's that's different for everyone everyone will go about that in their own way yeah for sure and then yeah like you've said it's about when when you're bringing it up you know will they consider that you've lied to them because you didn't bring it up at the first Mm -hmm. date or um, Mm -hmm. hopefully because you're so open-minded and positive and you know such a beautiful person that you radiate and you know bring those kind of people in that aren't that judgmental side of things hopefully most of the time <laughs> yeah fingers crossed <laughs> um what about the judgment and we've kind of touched on that with society you know sex work we're getting better in New Zealand but sex work is still quite a taboo st- subject it's quite a um you know you don't go out there and tell everybody like you would um that you're a policeman so how have you dealt with that judgment and that pushback from those around you 
Yeah, it's a real combination of things. And for me, at least, it's a, a balance of educating people and then also knowing when it's time to step away and just leave them and, and know that you can't impact their perspectives on this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really um, letting people know what sex work actually is, the types of people that are sex workers, and even part of that can be letting them know more about my life, letting mm-hmm. them know that I'm not that, as we talked about at the start, that stereotypical um, woman wounded woman. Exactly, exactly, who's been forced into this industry and really showing, like, I'm educated, I have chosen to do this, I enjoy doing this, mm-hmm. and, you know, I really, I like the caring aspect of it, like, it's not all about sex, it's a lot of the time about the connections that are made, that's a huge reason why clients come in, is because they're lonely and they want a space that's free of shame, so mm-hmm. really communicating what the the benefits of this work are and then um yeah there's a point when you can just see that people are really stuck in their ways and and that when for me at least it's time to step back I'm not here to make every single person on this earth agree with me that wouldn't work and I do not have the energy to do that (laughs) in this line of work for about five years and so there's only so many of these conversations that I actually have the energy to have yeah for sure and you don't want to be putting that energy to people that are just going to walk away and judge you anyway absolutely absolutely and there's so many resources out there if people are interested it's not hard for them to find out more about the industry as Mm -hmm. much as it still is uh, a bit of a hidden underground line of work there are so many books there are so many podcasts so many instagram accounts that you can expose yourself to in order to help to sort of reframe your perspectives about it so i don't need to be the only one doing that for sure for sure and yeah like you said you don't have the energy for that (laughs) Yeah. yeah Um, you just said said this um, just before, but you've said sex work isn't always sex, so sometimes it is about the connection. Have you had clients that it, it hasn't been anything sexual, it's just been, you know, good chats? Yeah, I absolutely have. And those are perhaps my favourite clients because mm-hmm. you can just see the, like, the value that they're getting out, out of it almost goes a step deeper. It's a step deeper than just having an orgasm and walking out of the room. It's, you know, a really heartfelt connection. And so often, you know, they just want like physical intimacy. Like they just want to be hugged and held or Mm. they want to talk about certain topics that they can't talk about with other people in their life because they're seen as taboo. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's, I, I, really feel quite honored to be able to provide that to people and to be able to provide them with that safe space where there is no shame um and yeah they can just come as exactly who they are yeah and obviously um there's a lot of talk about you know people that cheat on and then they go and see sex workers but they're ultimately getting something that they're not getting in their relationship from you is that right that is right and yeah you know, it's it's certainly not an ideal situation. Um, you know, absolutely, I'm not trying to encourage anyone to cheat on their partner ever. No. Um, but, um, yeah, you're right. It is because they're lacking something. 
and perhaps don't feel they've been made to to not feel like they're able to communicate that need or they've communicated it and they've been shut down and their partner hasn't seen how important that is to them. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, a lot of clients that come in do have a partner um, and a lot of them are not being open about what they're doing, but there are also some whose partners do know what they're doing. Yeah, Like yeah. I think one of my favorite um, sugar daddies was someone who had sat down with his partner and he and his wife had worked out a budget for him to spend on sugar babies each week because <laughs> she, she just didn't want to be doing those things for him. She wasn't a particularly sexual person. And she was like, you know what? If you're going to find that somewhere else, sweet as. Like, keep me in the loop and mm-hmm. our relationship can continue. And I think that that is just so beautiful. As with everything, it's just about the communication. Oh, that is a topic, Sophie. Honestly, I've got another podcast coming up. It's, it's a whole another topic that I want to explore mm-hmm. the differences in relationships and stuff, and the idea of you know being monogamous is doesn't mm-hmm. have to be the only relationship out there. So, oh, that's a topic I'm so passionate about. So I'm glad yeah. you touched on that. Oh, such a good one for sure. Um, so. Anxiety and depression, um, you said that you struggled with that when you were a little bit younger. Have you found that that has impacted, like sex work has impacted that at all? Or um, if you are struggling, how have you found ways to cope through, you know, through your um, depression if it has impacted it from sex work? Hmm. I wouldn't say that my depression has specifically impacted my, sorry, yeah, that sex work has impacted my depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. um if anything it's been a positive impact in that if I go through a period where things are really tough for me I can take a week a month you know however long I need off work because I've been earning an amount that allows me to do that and I also have a job that is flexible you know we Mm -hmm. don't have set hours that you have to show up every single week you can really choose your own hours and that's a real privilege of this line of work for people with mental health issues and also with physical health issues. There's a lot of people in the industry with chronic pain. So when they have flare ups, they can't go to work and sex work allows them to still earn money um, with those conditions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and, that's so good. Yeah. It, it's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I do also have PTSD And there have been times when perhaps sex work has impacted that, Mm -hmm. um, which was, I will say, you know, happened more at the start of when I was working in the industry and I didn't have the right boundaries in place. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that um, being in those situations is just to do with the boundaries that you put down. There are people who don't care about your boundaries to to be blunt about it Um, but I definitely could have avoided a lot of triggers by being stronger in myself and stronger in my boundaries right and while that impacted my PTSD in I will say a negative way being in the industry also showed me how to set boundaries because I was surrounded by these incredibly strong and bold women who would mm-hmm. set, you know, every boundary that they needed to, and they became incredible role models for me. 
Yeah, for sure. And you know what, talking about that, I've actually got a lot of friends myself that are in the sex work industry that are actually a lot more upfront with their boundaries than you know, the normal everyday person that works in, in the mm. nine to five job, they're, they're so much more open to expressing what they want, what they need, how they need it. Um, that's not so, not, not necessarily just sexually. It's even just, um, you know, you don't have to pay for my dinner. I'm happy to pay for my dinner myself, you know? Mm, absolutely. And that is absolutely my um, experience as well. My, my friends in the sex work industry have incredible boundaries because it's an industry that requires that and mm-hmm. again we're just surrounded by people who have them in place yeah yeah for sure no I've definitely found that as well sometimes a little bit more a little bit too honest no <laughs> you can't ever be too honest <laughs> um what about something positive well it's all been positive but what is the nicest thing a client has ever done for you yeah, and I, I love this question. And there's definitely been <laughs> a few different things from little things like just getting me a copy of my favorite book or, mm. you know, always trying to have the first session of the day so that they could bring me in a coffee, which, you know, is just so lovely. Mm, um, little things, the little things. Yeah, absolutely. That really show that these clients are human and um, listen and- to you as well. Absolutely. I think the number one thing that comes to mind is I've had a client who has still been supporting me during this lockdown because as much as I've been able to get the wage subsidy in New Zealand, it's a pretty measly amount. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've had a client. In Auckland. (laughs) Yeah. Oh God. Absolutely. So I've had a client who's been sending me money because he knows that this time is challenging for sex work and it, sex workers and he's done that for there was a period where I think he had about five people that he was sending money to weekly because he knew that these these places of work are now open and we're independent contractors so we're not getting paid by a company during these times we really need to fend for ourselves and if you haven't been paying tax you can't get the wage subsidy and yeah there's there's a lot of reasons why it's been tough so that's meant a lot and it's been provided without any um any understanding that something would be given back in return. That is what an amazing person. How beautiful is that? Yeah, it's been so, so selfless. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was I going to say? So one of the things that, you know, we've talked about is our percep- people's perception on sex work. So what would you kind of want the general public to know about sex work and sex workers in general? Yeah. And that's a tough one because in some ways there's, so many things unfortunately there's so mm-hmm. many incorrect assumptions about the industry mm-hmm. um so as we've already touched on it it is something that you can want to get into and enjoy doing mm-hmm. um and it it doesn't mean that sex workers just want to have sex with every single person it is something that is a job for us and you know we maintain those boundaries as with everyone your your hairdresser doesn't want to just come over and cut your hair on a Sunday afternoon for free Um, (laughs) yeah so those are some really important ones um and I think another one that is really important to me is just being careful about the lingo that you're using and the things that you're saying if you're not a sex worker Mm -hmm. Um, in in what regard in terms of 
like the jokes that you're making um even you know there's that that common saying that I heard someone say recently that was like oh she sounded like a dying whore in the forest oh my um, god yeah which is <laughs> offensive in multiple ways um and you know it's it's really just so key to remind yourself that actually sex workers are a stigmatized and marginalized group of people mm-hmm. and you know, I'm a white woman living in New Zealand where it's legal, so I will not pretend like I get the worst end of the stick here. But, you know, even then it's still, as I said, a very stigmatized industry. It's an industry that does not need to have any more shame added onto it through joking about sex workers and also just being careful about the language that you're using. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're talking about a sex worker, say the term sex worker, say the term escort, but please do not use the word whore. That mm-hmm. is a word that just has been twisted to be an insult towards sex workers. And yeah. there was a point in history where it wasn't, it didn't have that connotation, but today mm-hmm. it does. So just leaving that word out of your vocabulary. If you're a woman, you know, call yourself a slut, say that you love sex, you know, however you want to put it. But know that if you're not a sex worker, that word actually isn't for you to use. I mean, I've been actually called a whore by another woman on multiple occasions. And I just Mm -hmm. find it so, uh, it blows my mind that another woman would shame a woman like that and use that word. I think it's, yeah, very derogatory and, um, yeah, horrible. Mm, Absolutely. And it really shows that woman's perspectives on sex workers you know like actually it, it, it shouldn't be an insult if you want to have sex for money you go for it girl you like, go girl yeah <laughs> nothing wrong with that but um yeah that's really getting where you get into the realm of sex work exclusive radical feminists or SWERFs is the mm-hmm. um abbreviation for it and unfortunately that's incredibly common it's like women yeah. can do whatever they want with their body but oh don't don't receive money for sex. Like don't get paid for that. Right? You can have sex with whoever you want, but if you receive money, all your props are lied. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the, you know, the stigma on women having sex with too many people, you know, it's still, but men are, men are applauded for it. Well done for having thousands of people that you've had sex with. But if women do that, you know, even that's still perceived as such a, um, you know, you're such a whore, exactly what, like what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's when I think it's actually really beautiful to reclaim the word slut as mm-hmm. woman, you know, and, and saying, yeah, I am a slut. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, if I want to have sex every night of the week with someone different, go. Go me. Yeah, yeah right? for sure. And the people that are generally using, you know, the, the those horrible terms and putting someone down are probably people that aren't very happy in their sex life that, um, probably have sex you know once once a month and you know they know that that's not enough for them but they're putting down people that are having that you know having much more sex because that's something that they want to be doing absolutely and I think that's when it really comes to surface that you know sex workers receive a lot of shame but so does every single person in the society around their sexuality and yeah. when you receive that shame, it makes you think that that is acceptable, that that's the norm. And perhaps it makes you feel a little bit better about yourself and your own sexuality if you can turn that 
towards other people. Yeah. And that is the perfect pathway. <laughs> how good do we get, how good did we do that? Um, that's the perfect pathway for me to talk about a little bit, well, you to talk about yourself because you're a sexual empowerment coach. So tell me a little bit about that and what that entails. Yeah. So yes, we have done that very perfectly. <laughs> we did. <laughs> so, yeah. I would say as a result of doing sex work, I have since become a sexual empowerment coach and I really don't believe that I would be in this line of work if it hadn't have been for sex work for a range of reasons. One is that it's a space where sexuality was so openly discussed and I could see that you are able to make money out of sexuality. You're able to have a legitimate career within sexuality and that is a legitimate path that you can go down. And I also Mm -hmm. saw from so many of my clients, as we said, they weren't just there for sex. Mm -hmm. Um, They were wanting something else. They were lacking in their own relationships. They were feeling so much shame around Mm -hmm. their sexuality. And so often that shame was so, so visible. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that could present in an embodied way and that they were unable to get an erection or they were unable to orgasm because they just felt so much shame and they were so in their heads just really believing that their sexual desires were something that were to be demonized. Um, So all of these things just really got me thinking. I was like, if, you know, my clients are coming to me expecting this more physical act, Mm -hmm. um, this isn't the place they haven't come to me for any form of therapy or counseling. And actually it would be, Um, just not right to provide that to them when that's not what they've signed up for. Mm -hmm. But I could see this real need for it, both within my clients and within the other, some of the other women working in the industry, within friends of mine, people that I would meet, um, also within myself having experienced sexual assault. You know, they say your mess is your message. Like sexuality was something that I did really struggle with and now it's just become something that I'm able to own and I'm so empowered by and I'm so passionate about sharing that empowerment with other people so it's so beautiful it's yeah and it's a job that I love so much like I'm so excited to get up and to work and to share this message with the world which is that woman and every person on this earth deserves to experience pleasure Mm -hmm. and deserves to be able to own their sexuality and feel empowered by their sexuality and their relationships. So Mm -hmm. it goes as far as learning how to set boundaries and how to communicate, how to love how your body looks. And I love taking my clients through processes that help them to achieve that. It's yeah, just my purpose. And it just lights me up. Oh, I can hear it in your voice. It's so nice. <laughs> and I'm like smiling because that's such beautiful work. There is not enough of you around that, um, yeah, like people shouldn't feel ashamed to look in the mirror and go, God, I look good. Or they yeah. shouldn't feel ashamed to be, like I was saying before, to want to have sex when they want to have sex or with multiple people or mm. with different people every week. They shouldn't have shame around that. So that is just so beautiful, Sophie. Yeah, and it's such an honour to be able to create a space where people 
can see that that is the case. They can really rewrite the narratives that they have picked up on throughout their life, maybe through religion or through anything else that tells them that they should be ashamed of that and just step into themselves, their authentic selves and their authentic sexuality. Ah, beautiful. Now, if um, people are wanting to kind of dip their toes into sex work, whether that be stripping or whether that be sugar baiting or whether that be full service how would you as in your experience how would you um you know how how could they facilitate that yeah that's a great question Mm -hmm. Um, one I've just thrown at you I'm sorry (laughs) no 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 completely fine and you know for any New Zealanders that are listening and are interested in this line of work and maybe wanting to get involved in it my number one recommendation would be to get in touch with the New Zealand Prostitutes Collective. Mm -hmm. Um, They are a group of people who have the ability, they work with government and they also work with sex workers to provide information on how we can do this work safely. So Mm -hmm. they'll be able to direct you to agencies that have good reputations for treating their workers right Um, Because unfortunately, there are a lot of workplaces that um, that don't treat their workers and their staff in the way that they should be doing. This Mm -hmm. agency also provides condoms and dental dams and all of the things that you'll need to start working. Plus, just such friendly faces, a really open space where you can talk about this and meet other sex workers um, and then sort of have those conversations. Um, For sure. And I mean, that you know, this this work, it's something that can be so empowering, but it also needs to be very safe as well. So it's great that there's a platform for that to be able to provide, you know, like you've said, condoms, et cetera, for, for people that are wanting to do that in the industry. Mm, absolutely. And then I'd also recommend my favourite book around this topic is one called Thriving in Sex Work by mm-hmm. Lola Davina. And that is a book that I wish that I had read before I got into the industry and before I came out to my parents as well. There's some incredible advice in there on how to keep yourself safe, how to cope with judgment, how to talk about this line of work. Um, And it's just, it's a must read for anyone wanting to get into sex work or anyone who's already in it and hasn't given it a look yet. Amazing. Well, I guess lastly, where can everyone find you? Because you are just full of knowledge and yeah, where can where can people connect with you? Yes, oh, I would so love to connect with anyone listening and particularly, yeah, if you're interested in getting into sex work, do not hesitate to send me a message. I'd love to respond to any specific questions that you have around the industry or any concerns that you might have. So you can reach me um, on Instagram. My Instagram is at uncensored wellness. And there's an extra S on the end because that's <laughs> just how Instagram is. Um, <laughs> and then I also have a podcast where I talk about sex work. I talk about being empowered through your sexuality and moving through shame around that. And that is also called uncensored wellness. Amazing. I will make sure I link everything that we've just discussed, including the book, the New Zealand Prostitution Collective, um, and all of your handles so everyone can get in touch with you or touch with those 
um, yeah, in, in that book and New Zealand Prostitution Collective. So thank you so much. I could talk with you for hours about this stuff and, you know, we've, um, we've been friends for a few years now and I know that our chats are always so interesting and so good. So thank you so much, beautiful, for taking the time again. That is absolutely my pleasure. I strongly believe the best conversations happen when two open-minded people come together. (laughs) For sure. Well, you have a lovely day, sweetheart. And yeah, let's catch up soon. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. As always, guys, I really appreciate you listening to this conversation. To stay up to date with me and what I'm up to, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, leave me a review, and follow me on Instagram at laundrywithlala. Can't wait to chat with you next time. See ya.